Welcome everyone. Another Relate Well with Dr. Rick Marks. Hey, I'm hoping you've been having a good day already and that uh, it's been a blessing. Now here in Jacksonville, Florida on the February 26th, it's a nice day out. And by the way, I just celebrated 40 years as of yesterday, February 25th, 40 years of marriage to my wonderful bride and friend. And uh, we had a, just a relaxing day together. We're going to celebrate uh, this coming weekend, though. But um, anyways, it, it's, you know, so many years ago, I kept thinking, what can we marry 20 years? We married 30 years. Here we are 40. I still feel young. Uh, and I look, I look young, too. But um, to know that our friendship, our, our love, um, camaraderie, our sense of usness is strong and that we have it and we live in it. It's been a, been a real blessing for me. Not that I'm perfect, because I'm not. But let me tell you, I try to do the best I can with what I with who I am and what I have to live out. Let's put it this way. When I die, I want to die in a way that says I did it well. All right? My kids would be proud of me. My wife would be proud of me. Um, I would be proud of me. And more importantly, my Heavenly Father would be proud of me. Not that I have to be perfect because perfection is not possible in this world. However, maturity is a possibility. So that's what I hope to do is live life maturely and create something different. And here I'm at 40 years and all the things her and I have gone through, the good and the bad, have made us what we are, transformed us because we are teachable and allowed us to become um, in our 60s, a pretty strong, healthy us. All right. So today we're going to talk about humility, living powerfully through humility. Those who've been following my work and know the Relate Well work, you know that we have a core value system of HREG, H-R-E-G. It's really a, 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 an equation. H equals R-E-G. Humility equals respect, empathy, and goodwill. Humility equals respect, empathy, and goodwill. You know, one of the things I always tried to do uh, years and years and years ago, almost 30 now, when I started my transformation to become a better man, um, one of the things I um, that I had to do was kind of create a different value system to live by, right, to help me become the healthy, mature adult I want to become. And humility, respect, empathy, and goodwill were the four words that I use to regulate myself by. Uh, we have a book coming out here in the, in the next month, an ebook, um, what we're calling Relate Well Conversations. And it's all the core conversations in Relate Well. The first chapter is on HREG, taking a look at humility, respect, empathy, and goodwill. And what are they in their, not entirety, but a lot more than you would hear me say in a, uh, like a lecture at a relationship seminar or, or something like that. But we are going to do a video about it right now, just on the humility part. Humility. What is humility? You know, humility is a modest assessment of one's own self. It's a modest assessment of one's strengths and, and, and values. By the way, if you're watching live right now, um, go ahead and say hi. Let me know. I can, I can see comments here. Uh, let me know you're out there. I would love to get your thoughts um, uh, about what I'm saying. Give me input. Uh, if you have a question to ask, go ahead and ask the question. I will be monitoring the comment section and I'll try to answer those as well. And so 
Humility is a modest assessment of one's strengths and challenges, growth areas, opportunities for growth. You know, we all have areas that we can consider our weaknesses or challenges, whatever they might be. Could be an addiction, could be anger, could be pride, could be, you know, who knows what it is. There's, there's a number of things that fit in that. And everybody has stuff. I've learned that stuff doesn't make you good or bad. It just means you got stuff. You know, the writer of Hebrews says to lay aside the sin that easily besets us. We all have a sin is where we're most likely to, to, to collapse, to fall to. We're to shore up those areas of our life to make sure you don't fall in that area. All right. And humble people are aware of those things. They're, they, they have high self-awareness and high self-control. Uh, uh, all right. And so being a humble person doesn't mean you're weak. It actually means you're powerful because not only do I know my weaknesses, I know my strengths. I know the good things about me. I know the things I do well. All right. And because it's a modest assessment of oneself and to live a life of humility requires high self-worth and high self-esteem, a person who is who is a humble person, they can tell you the good things about themselves and they can tell you their their weaknesses as well. But here's the other thing they do. They really do self-control well. They are able to self-regulate, which is one of the two leading uh, indicators of what is known in the business world of, of, of emotional intelligence. And the first is self-awareness. You, you can't control, you can't manage yourself if you're not aware that you're doing something. So humble people have high self-awareness and they have high uh, self-management, self-control, you see. And, and so pride, pride is really for emotionally weak people, people who are still wounded or weak, uh, those kind of things. Pride is an, is an evidence of someone who's being emotionally immature, emotional weakness, where humility is a, is a position of strength. Here's why. Driving down the road, someone cuts you off in traffic. The prideful person is going to speed up, stare at them, you know, give them a, a one-finger salute. Whatever, the, whatever it is you do, you know what I'm talking about. That's a weak person. And you may be thinking, well, they, they may have cut me off that may be true. It may have cut you off. But the fact that you're reacting the way you are shows just how much lack of control you have over yourself. Why would you allow another person to rob you of your peace? Why would you allow another person to rob you of your joy? Why would you allow another person to rob you of who you want to be in a moment? Mature people know who they are. And, they, and with integrity, they stay in that person. They're not going to allow someone who's acting a fool rob them of their, their joy. And they're not going to engage them in foolishness. You know, one, one of the uh, Jewish proverbs is you don't engage a fool in their folly. You might think, well, why is that? It's because when you engage a fool in their folly, you lower yourself to the level of the fool. You become that person. Why would you allow yourself to go to their level? Why don't you stay in the higher level brain? And do things and handle things maturely, which is what humble people do. All right. And so what I want to do is take a look at, at some of the things we wrote about in our book, uh, our ebook on humility. All right. All right. Listen to this, this quote by researchers on humility, Don Emerson and, and Hoshua Hook in their article. It's an article titled Measuring Humility and Its Positive Effects. Listen to this quote they wrote. Our research team has joined a small but rapidly growing group of scholars 
who are seeking to move beyond the measurement problems so that we can learn more about this paradoxical virtue. How do you measure humility? But it is a virtue, isn't it? How do you measure it? We have defined humility using two main characteristics. On the intrapersonal level within oneself, humility involves an accurate view of the self. On the interpersonal, I-N-T-E-R, between people, on the interpersonal level, humility involves a stance that is other-oriented rather than self-focused. We have advocated for a method of measuring humility that triangulates self-report, other-report, and trait-relevant behavior. And listen to this. One main benefit of humility is that it appears to strengthen social bonds, especially in important relations that may experience conflict or where differences might threaten the security of the relationship, according to the research. You see, there is a dearth of, of, of research out there right now on humility, being done on humility. Um, humility and empathy are two, are, are two traits being talked about uh, in the leadership world. If you want to become a great leader in the future, start to master humility and empathy as a way of being. <clears throat> but let me give you a listing of some of the things that research has shown uh, from our book. Number one. Because humility requires emotional maturity and emotional self-regulation, it is best and most accurately identified and judged when one is under some sort of strain and pressure. In other words, one of the best ways to see humility is when someone's in conflict, when they're under pressure. Then you'll begin to see it. Here's another. The nature of humility is that it is easier to notice in others than to notice it in oneself. In other words, it's easier to see humility in another person than it is in oneself. Probably because we all have that little voice in our head. And that little voice always likes to say negative things about us, you know, puts it down. So we maybe on some we tend to listen to it, but it's always it's always easier to see humility when it's being lived out in front of us. <clears throat> listen, the third point here. Humility by nature enriches and strengthens one's social connections and bonds. Because those who are humble tend to focus on relationships rather than their own self or needs, they tend to make sure they keep their relationship healthy and mature. Or we would say in our world, they live for us, not necessarily I. Now, they exclude I because healthy, mature people, humble people realize for me to be a healthy partner in a relationship, I got to be healthy me as well. Number four, humility, listen to this one. Humility is a buffer against becoming too competitive or being an overachiever. Did you get that? It's a buffer against becoming too competitive or being an overachiever. Next one. Humility can lead to better health outcomes, not just emotionally, but physically as well. And the last point I have in the book here is this. Humility is a step away from egoism and conceit. It is a step away from being egotistical. So rather than aggressiveness and judgmentalism, listen to this. So rather than being aggressive and judgmental, humility leads you to living a life of acceptance, deference, and thinking well of others rather than thinking negative about them.
I, I watch I watch in the church community people disagreeing with other Christians who may put out a commercial here or believe this doctrine over here because the system theologies don't match. And then they argue, I'm right and you're wrong. Here's why you're here's why you're so bad. That's actually pride. They couch it in that they're defending the Bible. The Bible doesn't need you to defend it. Because when you do that, you come across as attacking other people in the body of Christ. You have no idea their motives. And so what if someone believes in tongues or not, predestination or not? Those kinds of things don't send you to hell. So let it go. Denomination is another word for division. And why are we divided? Ultimately, it's because of pride. I'm right, you're wrong. My, my way of thinking is better than yours. You see? My system theology is more accurate than your system theology. Little humility in any of this. And so what we want to do now, uh, quickly before I wrap up, because I don't want this to be long, I want to kind of go over the different types of humility um, as is identified by Ravi Chandra in the article published in, in Greater Good magazine, uh, eight types of humility. So I want to go through them rather briefly. And then we'll wrap up our day. All right. You ready for them? Number one, cultural humility. Cultural humility. I wrote here, we all come from various cultural backgrounds. And these cultural experiences shape our perspectives and understandings of the world and others. Cultural humility is the ability to connect to and understand another's culture history without imposing yours on them. Listen, my family is multicultural. Uh, my Two of my kids have been living in the Middle East. My oldest one was living in Indonesia. Met a young lady. He's now my daughter-in-law. She's Egyptian. Uh, she's from a different faith background. And you know something? We respect her culture. We respect, respect her faith. We respect her as a person. Because humility would. Humility will. Humility leads to respect and empathy and goodwill. You, you see... And there's cultural humility. Uh, it becomes arrogant when you try to impose your culture over another person's culture as if you're right and they are wrong. Number two type, intellectual humility. Now, let, me, let me tell you what I wrote here. Intellectual humility is a mindset. It's a mindset that guides how we conduct ourselves intellectually. It is the awareness that one's knowledge base is limited and it's gaps and keeps one teachable. Listen, if you really think about it, and you've listened to my uh, wheel of knowledge conversation that I that I teach, an individual's knowledge base, based on all knowledge in the world, is minute. It's minute. And, and so many times, intellectual pride is, I'm right, you're wrong. My way of thinking is more important. You don't know enough. You have no idea. It might be that your little small realm of knowledge is like a dot on a piece of paper inside a circle. Your realm of knowledge isn't all. And so many times, too, intellectual humility around faith community is that my theology is more right. What I know is better than what you know. And here's the problem with that. Scripture makes it clear. My ways are not your ways. and My thoughts are not your thoughts. When we think we've got God figured out, uh, you're going to realize just how how much you don't and never will. Intellectual humility 
is the awareness that I don't know everything and that I might want to be teachable. Because true humility leads us to being teachable. And I always raise my kids when they're younger to know that you always know mature people. They're teachable. Immature people are not. All right, you ready for the next one? I've got my paperwork here. All right, next one. <clears throat> Intergenerational humility or familial. Familial, not familiar. Intergenerational humility. This form of humility is the ability of young people to be teachable and learn from older adults. And older adults, being willing to learn from children and youth. In other words, um, I was arguing something uh, about two years ago with Jesse, who, by the way, has a master's from Cambridge and a master's from Xinhua University, all right, China's Harvard, in international relations. He's fluent in Arabic. He's been living in the Middle East and has written a lot of articles. And I was defending some point that I believed in. And Jesse got quiet and he said, hey, dad. I'm like, yes, son. You know how you talk about the things you know you know, know you don't know, and don't know you don't know? I went, oh, why? So I said, yes. He goes, well, you're in the world of don't know you don't know right now. I live over here. I write about this. This is not your own knowledge. And I shut my mouth and I learned some things from my son. I've learned things from my daughter. I've learned things from my oldest son, Trey. Same time, we need to learn from those older than us. You see, this is about mentoring and discipleship. All right, coaching. Uh, you'll see this in the in the, in the in the in the Bible, where you know older women are taught the young, younger, the older men are the older taught the younger. Why? It's intergenerational humility. You can learn from others, and they can learn from you. All right. Next is a humility of knowledge. A humility of knowledge. Now, let me read this one to you. This is a recognition that our realm of knowledge, based on all knowledge, is very small. There is much we do not know that we do not know. A humility of knowledge is the acknowledgement of one's limited knowledge and that there can be different perspectives around the same body of knowledge. We have a teaching on perspectives and the power of perspectives. Humility is important because nobody knows all reality. There's only you, All you have is a perspective of reality. But nobody knows all reality except for God. All of us as humans just have perspective. And humility of knowledge is a realization that, you know, I see one thing one way, but Luella can see it another. And I might want to move myself to humility to recognize that she has a different perspective about the same issue. And I might want to hear it. There's also what's called the humility of skill. Humility of skill. And I wrote here, this is simply... The acknowledgement that though we have a set of skills, we are confident with. There are skills we do not have and a recognition that others may be more skilled. Folks, let me tell you something. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, you do not want me fixing your plumbing. You do not want me doing carpentry work. It is not my skill set. And I'm proud to tell you, it's not my skill set. You see, early on in our marriage, Luella's dad was a, you could do about anything, right? He was a mixer, Mr. Fix-It-Up, right? He was very gifted and very talented. 
I never got that kind of training from my dad or stepmom. All right. We never had that. And so, and I got to my adult world. I didn't know a lot of things. And Luella's like, you can do it. You can do it. So she builds me up and something be broken in the bathroom. So I go in and try and fix a faucet or something. And I made it worse. What probably would have cost me 50 bucks for a plumber to come in way back in those days and just fix it. Now it cost me $300 because I messed it up. And I finally tell her, I don't know this. It's not my skill set. There is a humility of skill that you don't know everything. All right. There's also a humility of wisdom, a humility of wisdom. This is a form of humility that admits one's limitations and wisdom. Socrates, listen to this, is quoting, is quoted as reminding us that, here's a quote by Socrates, the only true wisdom, the only true wisdom is in knowing that you don't know much. The only true wisdom is knowing you don't know much. The humility of wisdom. There's also the humility of awe. A-W-E. You know, you know when I learned this one, you know what I thought of? Those of you who've watched it on YouTube you know what I'm talking about. Double rainbow guy. Double rainbow. You, you know what I'm talking about. You're probably smiling thinking about it. It's like, it's a double rainbow. What does it mean? He was in awe of the beauty of what he was seeing. You ever been somewhere and you saw the majesties of the mountains or the ocean? The humility of awe, which lets us know our place in the world. That we really are small and that God is big and beautiful and has done marvelous things. The humility of awe. And lastly, the humility that comes about when in suffering. Have you noticed that suffering can overwhelm us and in some cases it can overtake our joy, our spirit, and our ability to stay objective and positive? One way that we can keep an open mind and heart amid suffering is to stay humble. It is in this humility of suffering that we can admit our abilities, our limits, and our own needs needs to stay centered and not lose one's sense of self. It's in suffering. I remember I called it my emotional collapse day way back in 2004. And I remember as I'm lying on the floor, all this pain and hurt, and this voice in my head, it was the Holy Spirit, said, these are the exact words. When you learn what you need to learn about yourself, this pain will stop. When you learn what you need to learn about yourself, this pain will stop. It'd be easier to blame the people who've hurt or offended me. But in the end, in the end, my father was telling me was, in this suffering, look in the mirror. That takes courage. Did you know that? That takes courage. It's easier to look out the window and blame everybody else. To look in the mirror takes courage. That's the humility I'm talking about in suffering. All right. There's a little bit of thoughts for you. There's a lot more. Once we get our ebooks up to our RelateWellInstitute.com page, you can pick it up there. The Relate Well Conversations, which will be all of our, my core conversations. I think there's about 20 of them we put together in one book. We'll be getting those up to Amazon uh, hopefully in the next two months. So anyways, have a great day, everybody. And I hope this has been helpful to understand that 
living a life of humility, living a life of humility, what you'll find out is you will live powerfully. Think about it. Ponder it. Have a great day, everybody. Take care.